Hi, thanks for checking out this message from our River Valley Church family here in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages and inspires you. For more messages, be sure to check out our other podcasts. For more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message. Well, good morning, everybody. I was so excited about this morning, I forgot to put on my microphone so I can come up here and talk to you. Uh, we are, we are, we're, we're pretty excited about this next season for us as a church. I got a little feedback going there. You guys got that? Sweet. Uh, just in what God's doing in our hearts and lives as a church community. Uh, you know, there's something about being together. There's something about gathering around some of the things that God's doing. This summer, we spent a series talking about identity and who we are in Christ. And we're going to spend uh, the next seven weeks, as Zach talked about, we're going to talk about some foundational things for us as a church community about our values and culture, and I want to kind of set the stage for that today um, as we get into this sermon series space. This is going to be some interactive stuff. I'm going to tell you that right now, so just prepare yourself. That means you might have to talk to the person next to you. So if you know them, that's great. If you don't, you will in just a few minutes here. Um, But we're going to take a little time, and we're going to grow together as a church family, and we're going to continue to build on the foundations of what God has called us to be as the church and as the body of Christ. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little stoked about that because I know that a lot of times there's, there's just a lack of clarity around who we are and why we're here. And so we're going to take some time and, and, and walk through that over these next couple weeks. I'm preaching this week. My wife is going to be preaching next week. You want to be, come on now. You want to be here for that. She's going to talk about loving people, and then Pastor Zach's going to follow up the following week, and then we actually have Pastor Chris who's going to be doing a a message in this. Come on, church. So we got some good stuff ahead over this next seven weeks. I want to challenge you to be here and be a part of it. Did you know that the average in the United States of people attending church is once a month? Yeah, I saw some people go, ooh. Um, can, can I just encourage you in something? Um, we were meant to be together like this for some, some really good reasons because we can grow from one another in these spaces. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying you have to be to church all the time because church is not just a physical location or a Sunday morning. But what I am challenging you in is to be around the body of Christ and the things that we're learning and growing in together so that we can accomplish the things that God's called you to. God has a purpose for your life. And the purpose that he has for your life is not that you would be isolated and alone or that you'd just be going out and doing your thing, but he has saved you and redeemed you so that you can live life on mission for him. Amen? And there is no greater purpose that you'll find for your life than living for the kingdom of God and what God has for you. And we find that together in community. And so we're going to spend some time over these next few weeks um, processing through that. But before we do that, I want to show you a little bit about who we are as a church as well. Last Sunday, for those of you that were not here, uh, we gathered here and then went out into our neighborhood around us and did a bunch of service projects, just loving it. Yes, we canceled church. And we lived out the church. And we got some pictures of just the team last week. So this was us. How many of you noticed the little water-soaked folks? Can I just tell you, it was actually the grace of God that it rained last week. Because we were weed-whacking and pulling bushes and raking. And if it wouldn't have rained, it would have been a dusty, hot mess. And so it was actually beautiful. So this is, this is part of the things. You can see the guys in the dumpster back there. We had two large dumpsters out in the back back here. We, we filled those up. Can we go to the next pictures there? Uh, this was actually a very special project of somebody's. We went into somebody's house and actually took that. I'm kidding. We did not. 
We found it in an alleyway and just thought that we'd get rid of it. How about a few others up here? There we go. Look at Kelly in this moment. Where is Kelly in here? Where's she at? Oh, hi, Kelly. I put that one in there specifically for you, Kelly, because I knew you would. Kelly's our children's ministries director, and she's phenomenal on a rake. The best part is, is she shows up to do yard work in sandals. They're still sandals. Chacos, Tevas, I don't care what you call them. They're still, but she rocked it. We had a good time out there. Look at Jesse. Where's Jesse? I knew Jesse would so appreciate this. We had some great conversations out there last week. We got to go help in a number of homes and stuff around our community in this neighborhood right here. Some of them were, that you know, the Bible says that pure and undefiled religion is to care for widows and orphans, right? And there's some homes that we got to help out and around here with some, some widowed folks who just couldn't take care of their places. The neighborhood association around here gave us some ideas and places, and we just went out, and we were crazy. We were like going into people's yards who didn't ask us to be there. I know it's illegal, but we had fun doing it anyways. We filled a dumpster, had a great time. I think we have a couple more pictures. Is there one more coming up? This right here was actually a super fun one. So down uh, at our church here, right, if you go down Emerald Street right here, Emerald, no, Garden, Garden all the way to the end, it turns into the green belt. And on that corner there a few years ago, we helped clear off this kind of big concrete space a number of years ago in one of our projects around the community. And then there were some artists from the community who came and painted a mural up there. Well, it needed a little help this year. So we had a bunch of folks down there. The best part was it was so slick, they were like skiing down the face of this. I don't know if you can see this, but see little Colin right down there? He's hanging out with Mark. Colin slid down the, that thing and hit his butt on the ground. And you, can you see the look on his face? That is not happiness. I'm just telling you that right now. When I took the picture, I was laughing so hard because he was like dying. Mark's trying not to laugh, right? My boys are up there climbing on the wall. It, it was just such a fun time together as a church community. Here's what I want to encourage you in. Don't miss this stuff. It's the opportunity for us to show the love of God in simple and practical ways. We had folks that were here at the church doing some things around the church. We had, we had some people... You, you did what? You were, you were back cleaning in the children's ministries there, right? She was messing with the resource room. We had people handing out coffee and taking snacks out. and It was just so much fun. I want to encourage you as a church family, come and be a part of these things. We had so much fun last week, and then afterwards, we went all had pizza together, and just, just a wonderful time. And these, these are moments that are pretty special to us. I want to give a big shout out to Richard Davis and to Justin Jolliffe. They're the ones that actually kind of helped orchestrate these things. Can we give them a hand? It was so awesome. They did a great job. We had guys out back, poor, poor Kelly and Rob. They had to like guard the dumpsters so that people didn't throw dumb things into the dumpsters. Kelly and, and Rob, I don't uh, Rob not here today? Must not be. Uh, thank you guys so much. It was, it was just such a fun, fun time together as a church. And so, uh, again, I want to draw your hearts into these things because this is, this is really what it means to be the church in the body of Christ. We can do a lot of talking and we can gather on Sunday mornings. And these are great. These are important times for us to be together. But we're, we're, we're most like God when we're out living out the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ in our community. We're representing him as ambassadors, and we'll talk about that a little bit more this morning. When we're actually living our lives on mission. So I want to take just a moment this morning. I'm, I'm going to remind you of this of every time that I preach. And I, I want you to ask yourself this question. God, what do you want me to know today? So I'm going to give you a moment to just pause right where you're at. Maybe you're new to church. Maybe you're new to this environment. But here's what I want you to know. There's a God who knows your name. He knows everything about you. He knows everything that's going on in your life. 
And he has something that he wants you to take away from today. There's something that he wants to speak to your heart today that is going to help you in this journey that's ahead of you in life. Maybe you're here today and you don't even believe in God. Guess what? He still believes in you. He still knows you. And he longs for you to know and experience the full life that he has for you in following him. And so I just want to draw your heart to that place. God, what do, what do you want me to know today? What's something you want to read? This is something I ask myself every time I get up here and get ready to, to share the word of God with you. God, what are you wanting to teach Tim today? What's the thing that you want to pour into my heart and life today that I need to know about you or know about community? And so today we're going to lean into that. And I just want you to tune your ear to what God might want to speak to you today. Okay? I personally believe every word that I'm about ready to speak today has, has a place of impact to land in your life, not because I'm speaking the words, but because the Holy Spirit has something He wants you to learn and grow from today in your life. Amen? And so I want to take you into Colossians chapter 1. This is just going to be a little, little bit of our kickoff today and the reason why we're doing what we're doing and going through this value series. Colossians chapter 1 verse 28 says this, So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. So I want to just reiterate here, this is, this is the, the heart of Paul speaking out to, the, to a church, and he's warning them, he's preparing them. That word there is actually preparation. He's trying to prepare them. And I, I just want to help you get a picture. This is what discipleship is. It's the place of warning and teaching and, and helping and strengthening and growing. This is what the Word of God describes as discipleship. And it goes on to say, we want to present them to God, perfect in their relationship to Christ. Man, that's a powerful statement. So when you think about community and life together, when you think about pastors and leaders, our primary responsibility for God, first and foremost, is to carry you before God in prayer. I want you to hear that from me this morning. Our, our primary responsibilities in pastors and leaders and elders in the local church is to bring you before God in prayer and then to bring you into these spaces where we can teach, equip, and prepare so that we can present you perfect in your relationship to Christ. Man, that sounds like a pretty tall order. Anyone want that job description? Just so you know, you're part of it. And then it goes on to say, that is why I work and struggle so hard depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. I want you to know that you have an eldership and a pastoral team that is working hard in loving relationship for you to present you before God in such a way that you can live out your relationship with him perfectly. That doesn't mean that that's going to happen because we're perfect or you are. It happens because of the last statement right there, depending on Christ's mighty power. There's a power and an ability and a skill and a gifting that goes far beyond any of our leadership here and even your ability to learn and to grow that, that we get to tap into, and that's the work of God in our lives. Can you say a big amen to that? And so we want to lean into that. This is our mandate as pastors and leaders and elders. And that's why we're bringing you this series right now is to help you build your life firmly on the purposes of God for you, for what God has for you, and for our church family and community, what he's called River Valley to do and to be in this community. Amen? And so I want to get into this. We're gonna, we've labeled this DNA. And I'm kind of a, a medical guy. I love, my, my background is in medicine. And so I, I love this space. But when you think about the very substance of who you and I are, when you think about generationally things that we pass on generation to generation, all of that 
God had this ingenious plan that he, he had when he built the human body, and it all boils down to this place of DNA. Now, I know you can talk to Tim over there, and Tim would say, we can even get smaller than that, but I'm just going to stop right here and say that DNA is really the imprint of who you are. Right, It's what's passed on from generation to generation to generation. You've received DNA, you're passing that on. And it was God's design in how he built humanity. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about our design, how God has made us, specifically what he's made us for this morning, and to kind of point you in the direction of, of what God's going to prepare us for over these next few weeks as we hear some of these topics that we want to build culture and values around here at River Valley. And so I want to ask you a very simple question. Who makes us who we are? Who makes us who we are? And who defines that? And I, I would venture to say if you're sitting here this morning, you probably have some idea or concept about God being the creator. Some of us have been a part of church for many, many years of our life. Maybe some of you are sitting here this morning just because somebody told you you had to come to church. You're hanging with them and you think, when's this guy going to be done talking? Shortly, I promise. Or maybe not. You see, we believe that there's a creator God who has, in his infinite wisdom and design, created humanity, the world that we live in. And therefore, he has what we sang about this morning the ability and the responsibility over the, the ruling and reigning of what takes place right here on this planet, I would just say in your life and in mine. Now, for some of us, that's a, very, that, that's a moment where we can take a breath and say, thank God I'm not in charge, right? And for others of us, we're wrestling in that tension and space because we want to be in charge, or at least we think we do. But we live in a world that was created by God, and so therefore God defines the space for us. And he actually gave us some, some clear statements of this through his son Jesus and kind of some of the things that we read in Scripture. And John 14, 6 is one of those really beautiful spaces that gives us some definition of this. And, and here's what Jesus said. Jesus simply said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way. I wish I could say that statement more boldly, more declaratively, but Jesus is the way. He's the one who defines the world. The Bible tells us that through him and by him all things were created. And so I just want your heart to resonate in that place this morning, the centrality of who Jesus Christ is and the reality that we have nothing apart from him. So this, this conversation begins and ends with he is God, he is the king, we are following him, Right? In, in Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, I love what it says here. It says, And now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow Him. If you're here this morning and you've, you've invited Jesus to be Lord of your life and you've received the free gift of salvation that He brings to you through what He did on the cross and living a perfect life and dying for you, the invitation is, yes, that, that, that we receive His Lordship in our life, but then I love what the writer of Colossians tells us here, but now you must follow him. Follow in his way. It goes on to say, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Do you see the picture that's being formed here? This deep rootedness, this foundation that needs to be in your life and in mine. If we're going to be Christians, followers of Jesus, then we've got to build our lives on Jesus' principles. 
knowing that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And it goes on, it says, Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. So when we build our lives on Jesus and his principles, here's the cool thing that's going to take place, and we're going to talk about this this morning. Your faith in him is going to grow strong, and thankfulness is going to begin to pour out of your life. Why would thankfulness pour out of your life? Because you recognize all that God has done in your life. We, as a worship team, we were gathering early this morning just talking and praying, and we just had a moment of pausing and reflecting and being reminded of how incredible God has been to all of us. The very breath that you're breathing, the very fact that you're here this morning, the very fact that you had a vehicle or whatever you, however you got, you could have rode a horse here today. This is Idaho, right? No matter what, all of those things, every good and perfect gift comes down from God, who's the Father of lights. Just remember that this morning. He, he has nothing but good for our lives, and he is constantly pouring good into it. So if we claim to be Christians, then Christ is the one who defines for us who and what we are. If we claim to be followers of Christ, then we acknowledge this reality that he is Lord, he is King, and what he says goes. Amen? Some of us are getting a little nervous this morning. It's okay. You can trust him. Romans 8.15 8, says it like this. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Man, in the world we live in today, how much does fear drive the majority of what people are doing? And I love that this declaration from Scripture is spoken over us. Listen, that, that's not the spirit that you're of. That's, that's not what you've been, been brought into. What you've been brought into is this beautiful place of being adopted into the family of God. And here's what it goes on to say. Now we call him Abba Father. That intimate conversation with the creator of all things, not just that he is Lord, but he invites us into this beautiful place of Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Who are you? Come on, let's try that again. Who are you? Lydia, you got to say that like you believe it over there. Come on now. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of the glory of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share in his See, there's this duality when it comes to being followers of Jesus. We want the mountaintop experiences. We love the exciting worship spaces. We're even good with maybe work projects in our community. But what we fail to understand is Jesus is inviting us into the whole thing with him. Not just part of it. The whole thing. The good the bad and the ugly, right? He's inviting us into this place of relationship. And I love how it's defined that we are his children first and foremost. What do fathers do for their children? Everything. They are there to meet their needs, to walk with them in life, to correct them, to help them grow, to provide, to supply. That's why God put parents in children's lives, right? So they don't die. Can I get an amen? Okay. 
God, in the same way, is so in love with his creation, so infatuated with what he created, that he, he invites us into this place of being his children and following him in this beautiful life that he has for us. And what that means is there's a lot of growing and learning and stretching and challenges and difficulty, and all of those things that take place, but God's promise to you is this, that he is with you in it. The best news you've ever got in your life is that God is with you. That's the best news you'll ever, ever hear. Why? Because if you've got God with you, you've got everything that you need. Amen? And so as we set this foundation for kind of culture environment, this is some of the challenges that we face as we're going through this. God defines our identity. God sets culture. God defines what his church looks like and what she should be doing. Romans 8, 29 says it this way, For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Here's what God chose you. He chose you to be in Christ, a new creation, born again in him. Amen? This is the foundation. I want to ask you a question. If you, if you were, were going to join, um, say you decided you wanted to go work for Apple. I'm just saying that because everybody knows about Apple. If you wanted to go work at Apple, and you were going to go join and be a part of that team, they hired you to be a part of their staff, are you going in to, to set the culture of Apple, or does Apple already have a culture and values that they live by? Yeah, there's a guy named Steve Jobs who kind of got all of that started, and they've built culture and community of, uh, around that. Uh, if, if you join an athletic team, say you enjoy playing baseball, basketball, football, track, whatever it is, when you join that team, you are coming to be a part of a vision and some values and some purpose and some culture that coaches and school leadership or organizational leadership have already put into place. You are coming to be a part of that. You guys with me this morning? Now, you bring a unique part to that space, but ultimately, you are coming to be a part of that culture. Think about whatever your dream job would be, whatever company you think would be fun to go work with. I just want to remind you, if you were to go and be a part of that, you are going to that because there's some values, there's some missional things that are taking place in that environment that draws you to that space. You don't define that. It is already defined. And for us as followers of Jesus, we didn't go to God and say, hey, God, um, why don't you come be a part of my family? That's not how that worked. God invited us to be a part of his family and his kingdom and the things that he's got going. And so there's culture that is built around that. Our local church is no different than that. We are just a representation of the kingdom of God right here in Boise, Idaho. We are a representation of who God is in the community that we live in. God sets identity and values. We're invited to live by them and to be a part of what the king is doing in his creation. He's with me this morning. I know I'm kind of, I'm laying it on a little bit thick here, but I just, I, I want us to understand what this is all about. And I'm going to be as gentle as I can, but it's not all about you. Was that gentle? Okay, good. I practiced that all week long. It's not all about you. It's not about me, my opinions, my desires. It's about saying, God, this is all about you. So God, how do we align ourselves? And I, I, I want to be real with you. Over the past about six months, I've been wrestling with this space. 
Um, as we've had people coming and going from church, community, and life, and as I'm trying to you know, orient myself around, we've been pastoring for a number of years now, and just really wanting this church and our church community and our team and leadership here to be aligned with the mission and purpose of what God's doing in this day and age and time, and what has he called River Valley to, and God, how do we live in that? And we've had a, a, a vision statement and a mission statement, and we've had values and all of those things for some time now. But how many of you know you can drift from that a little bit at times? Or how many of you know that the, the focus on those things can just get a, a little bit pushed to the side when you're busy taking care of all the other things of life? And I, I've felt that way and communicated that and talked with a number of people kind of around that space. And I, I went through about a three-week period of time where I was just wrestling with, with God. God, who, who are we called to be? What, what is this supposed to look like? Have you changed your mind about River Valley? Have you changed your mind about my leadership? You're like, God, what does this look like? And I, you know, how many, you know, in, in life, they, we need these moments before God. We need the soul searching moments. We need those moments where we're like, okay, God, I, I, I'm not loving what, what this looks like right now. Is it me? What's going on? And so as I just kind of pondered these moments with God, I spent a lot of nights not sleeping. Everybody ever been there? miserable. I'm telling you right now. It was like going back to having little kids. And, uh, and, and I, I just remembered process. I was spending time just with the Lord. And one night about 1.30 in the morning, I was actually kind of sleeping. The Lord woke me up in this moment. And man, I was just done. I was just, anybody ever been done? I was just done. I was like, God, I'm done with this. Like, people are frustrating. I'm a goofball. Like, I, Lord, I'm just done with all of this. And I said, Lord, who are we? Like, what have you called us to? And the Lord spoke so clearly to my heart and brought such a clarity inside of me that allowed me to just be able to take a breath and say, okay, God, if that's who you say we are, then we're committed to this thing that you've called us to. And here's what the Lord spoke to me. He said, you're Jesus followers on Jesus' mission wherever you are. At 1.30 in the morning, I'm glad he used small words and repetitive ones, right? But something drove deep down into my heart in that moment of clarity of what, what this is all about. And again, I've, I've got to pastor for a number of years now and through a lot of different transitional spaces, but there was something just so clear about what the heart of God, you're a Jesus follower on Jesus' mission wherever you are. Something about that resonated inside of my heart. And again, we love our vision statement. We'll talk about that, our mission statement. But there's this clarity that comes when we just know who we are. And I, I just want to speak that over you this morning. If you're, if you're wrestling or struggling, you're trying to figure out, God, what am I here for? Can I just help you in just a simple way? You're a Jesus follower on Jesus' mission wherever you are. And we'll unpack that a little bit more. And that's really what we're going to spend these next few weeks doing is unpacking that space. So, so what that means is if you're at your job or you're at home with your family, you're at a barbecue with your friends, or you're on vacation, you're at a kid's soccer game, Kai started soccer this week. How'd it go, Zach? Epic. I'll bet. I'll bet. If you guys want some just pure joy, go watch Kai play soccer on Saturday mornings. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, if you're out cleaning up a yard in the neighborhood, if you're overseas on a missions trip, it doesn't matter where you're at, what you are, who we are is we're Jesus followers on Jesus' mission. And when we have that kind of clarity with our life, it allows us to be able to step into these other spaces of, can I say, nuance and say, okay, so what does that look like? Well, we're going to talk about that here a little bit. But we want our hearts to be calibrated around this space because what it allows us to do 
is have certainty about what we're doing. And here, here's what I know. Most people are a little bit dissatisfied with their life because they're not actually following Jesus. They're following their own idea of Jesus. I want you to let that soak in this morning. A lot of Christians are dissatisfied in their Christian. That's why we have all this deconstruction stuff going on. That's why people are bouncing from place to place to place to place. It's not because like every church is that radically different. It's because there's a deep dissatisfaction inside of us because we think we're following Jesus, but we're actually only following our own idea of Jesus. And I want to help us as a church be oriented. We want to follow the Jesus of Scripture. We want to follow the Jesus that we see modeled in Scripture, what he did with his life and how he lived and what he did. Here's the reality of this is not a new phenomenon. This was the same phenomenon that took place when Jesus arrived the first time. This is why the Jewish people looked at Jesus and said, you can't be the Messiah. Why? Was he not fulfilling everything that Scripture had said that he would do? He absolutely was. He just wasn't doing it in the way that they wanted him. See, they had an image built of Jesus. They had an idea of who Jesus was supposed to be. And so they had built their entire life around this thing. And when he didn't show up the way that they wanted him to, they were not willing to follow the Messiah, the Son of God. And here's the challenge. We wrestle with that in our culture today. We've been sold a Jesus that is the American Jesus, right? And what we need to do is get rooted in what the Word of God says about who he is and what he does. That's what allows us to be Jesus followers on Jesus' mission is when we don't make Jesus out to fit our lifestyle and the things that we want to do, but we submit our hearts to the reality of who he is and follow in his way. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He was trying to show us the way to live. And so I want to invite us into that space because I believe that Jesus is, is making something beautiful not only in the local church, but in your life and in your family and the space that he's called you to. We want to we be reminded that Jesus invited us into following him. What does following him look like? Well, Jesus made it very, very simple. Let me help you this morning. Jesus said the most important things is that we would learn how to love God and love people well. Some of you are like, oh, I've heard this before. Yes, you have. And you're going to hear it over and over and over. Why? Because when Jesus says something is the most important thing, we should pay attention. So we're Jesus' followers on Jesus' mission wherever we are. And Jesus said, listen, what it looks like to follow me is to learn how to love people better every moment of your life. How to love God more fully with all that we are and all that he's created us to be. Jesus made it pretty simple, right? He didn't say, hey, just go out and I want to teach you how to be a good person. See, uh, here, here's what you really need. What you really need is just become the, the best person that you can be. That's not what Jesus said. Here's what Jesus said. He said, you need to be born again. He said that that, that old life that you once had, it just needs to go away. And there's something beautiful that he wants to raise out of each one of our lives. That's what Jesus invited us to. Jesus said, hey, come and follow me, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you how to fish for people. You say, what? What was Jesus saying? Jesus said, hey, I'm, I'm going to put you on a mission that will actually bring fulfillment and joy and life to you. 
Don't make me out to be Santa Claus. That's not who I am. I'm inviting you into a life that's going to help others experience freedom and joy and purpose. And that's what Jesus invited us to. Jesus invited us to follow him on mission and to to see what he was doing. And and this is what Jesus spent, if you read through the New Testament, this is what Jesus spent his entire time with the disciples doing. Think about it. Everywhere they went and everything that they did, Jesus was teaching them a lesson through that. What was he doing? He was saying, this is how you come and follow me. This is how you live on mission. This is what the kingdom of God is about. Pay attention, right? And so as we see Jesus interacting with people, he was setting the foundation for what the kingdom of God is to look like. That's what we're doing here. We're going to take the next few weeks here, and we're going to take the principles from the word of God that set foundation for us, and put us into this beautiful place of forming us, listen to me this morning, forming us into the image of Christ. So that you and I can be ambassadors for the kingdom of God and all that God has called us to. So I want to talk about our core values. And we're going to help you see these maybe more clearly than you've ever seen them before. We're going to try and bring them into a very tangible space for you. I'm going to bring you the first one this morning. But we have, we have seven core values that we have built into the culture of River Valley Church. The things that we want to be known by and known for as God gives us the opportunity to live out the days that we have on this earth. All of these core values originate out of what we see in Jesus' life. And so we're going to kind of draw our hearts around these spaces. And I want to throw the seven of them up. Do we have all seven of them? There we go. Okay. So these are the, the, the core values that make up who we are as a, as a church community. I'm going to read through them, and over these next seven weeks, we're going to go through one of these each, each week and discuss a little bit about what they look like for us. So the first one is we live in radical faith. Number two, we love people. Number three, we obey. Number four, we live to worship the king. Number five, we serve. Number six, we live generously. And number seven, we defend our unity. When you look at those values up there, what I want you to see is not, oh, here's the, here's the things that we have to do to be a part of River Valley. What I want you to look up those things and say, this is what it looks like to be on mission following Jesus. This right here is what it looks like if we're living out of these spaces to live our lives with some intentionality and with some purpose. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to look at the, the very first one, we live in radical faith. So we have a statement around this. So you can find this on our website. You can find this, I believe, in our app. You can find these values out there. How many of you know that they're actually posted on our wall out in the lobby? Everybody ever see? There's a big sign out there that just says, we. And then off to the side of it, it has all of these listed out. And so this is, this is just part of the way that we want to set culture. So we live in radical faith. And here's the statement that we've put with that. We live in radical faith. Taking risks others won't take. To see God do what only God can do. I want you to take just a moment here. So we live in radical faith. And I want you to just think about this. I'm going to give you about 10 seconds. What does that speak to you? We live in radical faith. Each one of us are going to have a little bit of a different picture of that. I just want you to think about that. We live in radical faith. So here's the fun interactive part. Now I want you to, with somebody around you, I just want you to share with them what that means to you. We live in radical faith, so that this is your time. Take a moment. Talk to the people that are around you. Come on. We live in radical faith. Don't look at me. Look at them. Come on now. You can do this. 
It's church. We can talk to people. We live in radical faith. What does that mean to you? If you're joining us online, maybe text somebody. Share, share with them what that, what that means to you. We live in radical faith. Oh, this is fun. Look at you guys. All right, I think I lost you for good. Okay, hopefully you get an opportunity to share that with somebody. We live in radical faith, sharing back and forth kind of what that means to you. That's a lot of words for just we live in radical faith, but that's, that's okay. So here's what I want to just bring you in on. So, so this is not something that we just talk about. This is something that we're working through as a staff and as a team as well. So when I ask you this question, what does it mean when we say we live in radical faith, each one of us have a little bit different perspective of that mean, what that means. Some of you are like, well, that means that we can walk on water, raise the dead. You're absolutely right. I would totally agree with that, right? Some of us, just to live in radical faith, just simply get, means that I get up every morning and just say, God, I, I'm trusting with today. I don't know what you are sharing back and forth with each other, um, but in the weeks to come, I'm, I'm prepping you right now, in the weeks to come, we're going to ask you guys for some feedback in this space. We did this exact same exercise this last year at our staff summit. And so we, we threw these, these big kind of poster papers up on the wall and, and then gave them out to each of kind of our staff folks. And we started just saying, hey, what, what does it mean when we say these words? Because language creates culture. Do you know that? So the language that we use around here, it's creating the culture of who we are as a church. And so what, is, what does it mean? What, is it, what does this mean that we live in radical? We had all kinds of crazy things. Now, if you can read that up there, that was not meant for you to read. It's just meant for you to say, oh, okay, they, they did do a little work on this. But there's some really, really fun things up there. So, so uh, in this space, taking risks that others won't take to see God do what only God can do. What does that mean? We, we wrote down a few of these things, like risk is uncomfortable. Doing the opposite of what you feel. Ouch, that one makes me feel uncomfortable right there, right? Facing insecurities, uh, all, all kinds of just kind of cool things. I, I love the last one at the bottom, submitting to God moment by moment. Moment by moment. So when we, when we define this space of what does it mean to have radical faith, a lot of times we're, we're you know, our, our minds wander into the places of all these crazy things that we could do for God. And that's, that's awesome. But can I just tell you some of the most radical faith that people experience is just daily getting up and responding to what God's doing in their life. That's probably the greatest act of faith that we have. I mean, I, I'm, I'm all for, you know, the, the gifts of healing. I'm all, we believe in those things. We believe in seeing the sick healed and the dead raised. And we believe in the parting of the Red Seas and all of that kind of stuff. All of those things are biblical truths. They're things that we see in our modern day culture as well. But here's what I want to help you understand. When, it, when we're talking about living out radical faith, it's not just the fact that we go out in the street corner and blah, preach the gospel. Maybe it's just simply that we get up in the morning and by faith we sit down with our kiddos and we teach them something out of the word of God. Maybe it's that we get up every day and we're wrestling in a marriage that's struggling and we say, God, you know what? I don't know how this is going to work out, but I'm putting my faith in you, not in me. That's some radical faith, right? It's those moments where we're processing through our daily life or as a church family and we're trying to make some decisions on where God's calling us to go next and it's going to require a little bit of faith to do that, right? It's those moments where we pause and say, God, I can't do this, but you can. That's what radical faith looks like. 
I want to take you to Hebrews chapter 11. And for those of you that have been around Scripture much, you, you know, he, Hebrews chapter 11 is called the Heroes of the Faith chapter. It's the space where, we, where there's just this litany of people who have gone before us who have done awesome things for God. But those awesome things for God were birthed out of simple places of just obedience and trust for him. And here's what Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says. It says, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Oh, man. It goes on to say, and anyone who wants to, uh, wants to come to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. I want to give you a definition of faith, and I know we have the definition out of Scripture, but I just want to help you with one this morning. Faith at its core is trusting that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he'll do. You want to define faith in your life? Faith in your life is simply going, God, you are who you say you are. I don't care what I see around me. I don't care what's going on in the world. I don't even care how I feel. God, you are who you say you are, and I trust you in that space. And you will do what you said you will do. See, we look at Abraham and we look at Moses. Like, Moses, man, that dude had a ton of faith, right? He had to because, like, he stood on the red edge of the Red Sea. And, like, he, he, he just, he, he obeyed God and the sea opened up and they got to walk across on dry land. That's a lot of faith. That's a lot of faith. And it is. I'm not denying that in any way, shape, or form. But the things that... Moses did out of faith were simply actually just responses to who God is. Moses just knew that God was God and that he would do what he said he would do. You know, when you think about Peter stepping out of the boat, walking on the water, when you think, think of all these cool things that we think of as big faith moments, they were just simply moments of ordinary people saying, God, you are who you say you are, and I'm going to do what you tell me to do. And out of that space, these extraordinary things take place. And it might just be that God speaks to you and says, hey, why don't you just pray for your coworker? Oh, God, that's me. They, they don't even like it when I talk about you. Like, right, we wrestle in those moments. Or maybe God's speaking to you and you're, you're in the grocery line and there's, there's somebody in front of you and God just says, hey, I want you to pay for their groceries. And you're like, that wasn't you, God. Not a chance. You know how much money I have this week? I barely have enough to put gas in my car, right? It, those are the faith moments that we have opportunity in life to experience. Can I just define for you? That's what radical faith looks like. When we talk about faith here at River Valley, it's not that you're going out and raising the dead, which I want you to do that. Let me know how that goes. I mean, I'm being straight up serious. God speaks to you in that space. Do it. But, but what, what I'm inviting you into is how about the simple everyday spaces of faith in God? That radical faith that it takes to just say, God, I don't know where provision is going to come from this week, but I know that you're God, and I know that you're my provider, and I know that you're faithful, so I'm going to trust you, God. See, that's what radical faith looks like. Radical faith is the space that leads us into trusting God at the very core of who he is by his very nature and saying, God, I don't know how all this is going to work out, but you've got it. So when we talk about living in radical faith here at River Valley, I do want you to go out and do some, some crazy wild things. But I want you to do it because God told you to do it, not just because you're trying to do crazy radical things. Come on now, right? There's been a lot of people who have, who have tried to exercise faith, but it wasn't faith that was exercised because God asked them to. They were just exercising faith because they wanted something for themselves in, in a moment. Can I just encourage you in your faith? 
Let's align it with God and his word and his character. Let's put our hearts around the things that God invites us to and say, God, we're going to go after that wholeheartedly. Some of those things are going to feel pretty radical in our lives. Some of them are going to be a little bit extreme. We took some people down to Mexico this summer who had to take a faith step to just say, okay, God, I'm going to trust these crazy people and I'm going to trust that you're calling me to do this. I'm going to go down and experience something extraordinary that you want to do in my life. That same faith that it took them to do that is probably the same faith when God speaks to them and says, hey, I want you to walk across the street and talk to your neighbor. That's some radical faith. You never know what God's going to do. And as a church community, we never know what he's going to invite us to do. But here's what we do know. That every time that God asks us to respond out of a place of faith, it's a test of his character and it's a test of our obedience. And here's the beautiful thing about God's character. It's rock solid. He's never not done what he said he would do. Ever. Never. Ever. So that part we can trust in. Challenging space for a lot of us is when it comes to, to living out radical faith, it comes into the space then, okay, God, I'm, I'm going to obey you at your word. I'm going to trust you. And church, that's the kind of environment we want to foster in culture around here at River Valley is that we are a people who will respond to God in such a way where we allow faith to lead the way for us. We put that little statement on there that, that we, we're gonna, we, wanna, we wanna do the things that no one else will do so we can create space for God to do only the things that he can do. That is not to put anybody else down. It's just simply to say, God, we wanna respond to the things that you're asking us to do as a church community and family. We've had some great legacies of that. Here at River Valley, the founding pastors of this church, Bob and Louise Barnett, started this thing in 1958 out of faith, just saying, God, you've called us to this in this little house over here on the corner. It actually started in their home, but then they started doing things out of this little house over here. And, and all of a sudden, we, we're all here today because of somebody else's faith. I want you to hear that from me this morning. Most of us are... are are living, breathing testimonies of God's faithfulness because somebody else in faith prayed for you to find Jesus, prayed for an encounter in your life for him. That's, that's where I sit today. I had a faithful mom who prayed consistently and brought my sister and I to church, and I'm here today because of that kind of faithfulness. That wasn't like part the Red Sea faith. That was like every day working through the process of getting kiddos into spaces where they could connect with God. I'm grateful for that kind of faithfulness. And I, I see the living, tangible example of that. Here's what we get the opportunity as a church community. What kind of environment are we going to create of radical faith for our kids and the next generation to grow up in? In your life and in mine. What is that going to look like? I don't know, but I'm excited to watch and see what God will do. Amen? But we have to settle in our heart that we're going to be a people that live in radical faith. I think as we look at Jesus' life and the things that he invited us to, he set this very DNA into the church, didn't he? In fact, the very beginning of this thing that we call the church was a place of faith where people gathered together in an upper room because he told them to, and he said, you guys hang out there until the Holy Spirit comes. Cool, Jesus, who's the Holy Spirit and what does this look like? Didn't give them those details. He just said, go do it, and they did. And the church was birthed out of that place of faith, that place of obedience to what Jesus had invited them to. 
The Holy Spirit came, poured out on them. They went out and preached the gospel. 3,000 people got saved. All kinds of, that's the, that's the radical faith. We think, no, the radical faith was those 100 people or so that gathered together in that upper room not knowing at all what was about ready to happen. That's where the faith kicked in. And here's what I want to invite you to. There's some things that God wants this church family to be and to do in this community that's going to require some people to say, yeah, we don't know what this is going to look like, but we're willing to come and pray until it happens. Yeah, we don't know what this is going to look like when it comes to loving our community well, but we'll, we'll come on a Sunday morning and we'll serve in our community. Yeah, we don't know exactly what this is going to look like, but week after week we're going to come and pour into the lives of children and our students, and we're going to see God together in small groups. God, we don't know what all that's going to produce, but you're doing something, God. That's what it means to live in radical faith. And there will be moments that God calls us to some extreme things, but in the meantime, I think what he's inviting us to do is live in some radical faith in the normal everyday spaces of life. Amen? And that's what he wants to do in our lives, and that's what I want to invite you to. This is part of our very core foundation, number one. We want to be a people, right, that live in radical faith. Will you pray with me this morning? And I'm going to pray over you every week. We're going to pray over you that these values are not something that you see on a screen or that you read on a wall, but these values are things that come and live inside of us and that we live out in every day of our life. Father, we thank you so much for the beautiful truth of your word. And Jesus, we thank you that you invited us to come and be a part of your kingdom and your way and the things that you're doing. And so, Lord, what we're asking today, Lord, is that we would be a people of faith. Very simply, Lord. Lord, the faith that you demonstrated and invited us to come and walk in, Lord, that we would be a church family, God, that lives in radical faith. And God, we don't have that in and of ourselves. Lord, we need you. We need your Holy Spirit, God, to come and do the work in us, Lord. And Lord, all the spaces that the enemy would come to try and bring fear or apprehension or say that we don't measure up, God, we just declare in Jesus, we don't measure up in ourselves, but in you, Christ, we have everything that we need to accomplish what you've called us to. So Lord, we're going to be a people of faith. Lord, we're going to live out of that. So God, would you teach us and instruct us? God, would you help the culture of River Valley to be formed around who you say that we are, Jesus, and who you and what you modeled to us. Lord, we thank you for it, Jesus, that you called us to be followers of you, living on your mission wherever we are. But we thank you for it, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this message from River Valley Church. Do you know someone who would be encouraged by it? Make sure to share it with them this week. Again, for more content from us, please check out our website at rivervalleyboise.com.